Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. If you, if you just attempt and do and follow through with a force fetch program, you will learn a whole lot about that dog's whole makeup. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY. Me and Austin are back here in Tennessee, finally back from our Wisconsin trip. Austin, you getting settled back in, back in the grind? Back to the grind, man. Yeah, it's... Doing it back to the real world. It's rough. It's sad. I had a bunch of emails waiting on me. <laughs> no, no shit. <laughs> uh, so this week, uh, this episode is actually with NAVDA Senior Judge Norm Prima. He joined us with the uh, on the hunting trip with us, and uh, he sat down and we talked about a, a whole bunch of topics with him, everything from just his experience with, with the uh, Spinoni Italianos, as well as uh, how long he's been judging and testing and running these dogs in the system, and what he finds valuable with NAVDA. And just a whole bunch of good stuff. Uh, I, I think you'll, you guys will really enjoy it. I think uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was when he was talking about trying to get more cooperation out of your dog and everything. So one thing with Norm, he has a very long history with this breed. He got involved, and y'all will hear a lot of details about this, but he's been involved with the breed for over 30 years, was involved with, uh, I believe it's the Spinoni Club of America, as he um, talked about, and and was really instrumental in trying to bring over quality dogs from Italy, or at least seeing what they had available to help out the gene pool in the U.S. So um, he's he's very involved in the development of the Spinoni here in America. Absolutely, and. Uh when you get involved in NAVDA, a lot of people say well, you hear a lot of things about the the benefits of NAVDA and what it brings to the table. But one of the thing that one of the things that most people talk about is relationships and 
and learning from other people and more experienced people. And we can say that that's kind of Norm's been kind of our point of contact for that. He's been nice enough to help us out numerous times on training. If we have questions, uh, he allows us to hunt down or train down at the uh, training grounds that he owns. And he, he's just been real instrumental in our early on success and, and what little we know about this, this ginormous world of, hunting dogs yeah big time mentor for people especially down here and awesome all-around guy um you know kind of like bill who we've had on earlier in the podcast he's one of these older guys that really cares about extending you know the the uh dog training mentality and heritage and and the hunting heritage on to other folks and so um it was an awesome week, an awesome time with him. I think y'all are going to enjoy the interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he made it up to us. And he has a really interesting take on how to train dogs in general, not just Spinonis. But uh, I really enjoy just watching his outlook on how to train dogs. It's a, it's a lot more on how to just bring out the dog's natural instincts and desire to work instead of forcing it on them. Uh, we touch a little bit on that. We're going to have him on in the future to talk more specifically uh, on tra- training actual specific stuff. Yeah. And I don't remember how much we get into this in the podcast, but I'll go ahead and give him a shout out here. I mean, he, Brooke, his younger dog, she's, I think she just turned three and doesn't have a ton of experience in the grouse or woodcock uh, woods, but she was doing great. You know, by the end of the trip, um, being very productive and just an awesome dog to go hunt behind and a totally different style of hunting. Yeah. That big, good change of pace, you know, especially for us, or for me and you, you know, once you got your, you have your GSP, you know, we're used to a different style. The Spinoni has its own, its own style when it does things. Yeah. It was really interesting, especially you spend all week behind these German dogs as go 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 they really press the woods they really move through them and and check everything off and the spinonis it's just they they're extremely methodical and purposeful yeah. in, in everything that they do so it was real interesting seeing kind of the difference between breed makeups on that and with brooke especially and i haven't seen a ton of spinonis but i can tell you that she was cautious extremely cautious in a good way that was producing consistent points and opportunities for us to get shots. And I mean, that was what was, you know, really kind of stood out to me is that we would just be simply walking down a trail or walking in the woods, wherever we were going. And she wasn't necessarily out there searching, you know, covering all all kinds of ground, but you could tell she would get birdie and she would tell you exactly where that bird was. it, it was it was really impressive yeah. watching her, and it, it was enjoyable. If only we could shoot a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I mean that. I think that was kind of the uh, the consensus throughout the whole week. If we could shoot better, the dogs would be happier. But especially, I, I, we went hunting with uh, over Brooke, and I mean, if we could shoot it half as better, half as much as what we were, we she would have gotten a, a lot of birds in the bag that day. Yeah. Uh, we spend too much time attempting to train dogs and not enough time at the place <laughs> actually <course>. shooting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. Well, um, why don't you tell everybody? You know, how the heck did we get our dogs up to up to Wisconsin? 
I, I don't know about you. I rode mine in the gunner kennel. I had mine in the gunners too, man. Yeah. Well, it, it, great minds think alike. It's uh, if you're interested in a kennel, it's the only choice for you. It's the only American-made lifetime warranty crash-rated kennel on the market. You can't go wrong, and they have every size that you need imaginable. They have the fans. They have the straps. They have absolute, all the accessories that you're going to need from a kennel to get your dog from point A to point B safely and comfortably. Yeah, and look, here at GDIY, we only deal with the best. Gunner Kennels is the best, all right? And bottom line is, if you want one, you got to go to our website. Undogityourself.com. You got to click on the Gunner link and order one, okay? It helps us out. Gunner appreciates the business. You know, it's 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 U.S. product. We got to support it. And then what, in the woods, we were sporting the duck camp shirts all week long. I was actually pretty pumped, you know, when I – when I got up there, uh, I was I have the heavyweight shirt that I like rocking, and it it got hot on Monday or Tuesday. It was like sixty, so I was like, "Man, I'm not wearing the duck camp today." But then the temps dropped later on in the week, and I got to wear those. Th- Man, it was awesome. It it held up great when you're in that thick stuff and you're getting caught up in briars. You're getting you know in the thick cover, and your clothing has to keep up. I mean, there wasn't a snag on that thing when I got out. I wore it consistently for at least three, four days, and it was, you know, unblemished. I mean, the thing kept you warm and breathed. It it was very, it was just very comfortable to wear. I wore the lightweight shirt the entire week, even when temps dropped. I just threw on an extra shirt underneath it, and it kept me comfortable, and it held up just as well as a heavyweight and all the briars and the the thick stuff that we were going through, it was it was comfortable, and I was honestly a little surprised at how well it kept up through the thorns, especially. Uh, but yeah, just it's not just upland apparel, it's not just duck apparel, they have fishing apparel, they have just outdoors apparel in general, whether it's lightweight, uh, heavyweight, warm, cold. Go check it out, duckcamp.com. Tell them we sent you. Uh, if you get something, post it on social media. Just say, you know, tag GDIY, tag Duck Camp, and uh, just let them know that we sent you, and that's how you heard about them, and we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, this week, we you got Norm Prima. I think you guys are going to enjoy that. Next week, we're going to sit down. We're going to kind of go over a whole bunch of stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly of the uh, whole trip. You can, uh, you're can you going to hear a lot about what it's like for uh, just your average hunter. We aren't guys that get to do the grouse woods on a consistent basis up in the north woods. So uh, you're going to get an honest reflection of what it's like to go hunting with some new guys, some guys that have done it a few times, and you're going to get a lot of good experience and stories out of that. Uh, but first, for us to get to next week, we need your help. you got to come follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Gundog It Yourself. Emails gundog at yourself at gmail.com. If you like it, like us, rate us, review us, share us, five stars, nothing less. And uh, I think we can get on to the, the part that people actually came to listen to. Norm Prima. Yep. Y'all have fun. Thank you. Enjoy. Everybody, we're here with the man, the myth, the legend, 
senior judge, Norm Prima. What's going on, Norm? Hi, guys. <laughs> you sound so thrilled to be here. Uh, Hello, Norm. I'm tired. What are you tired for? We've only been hunting for a week here in Wisconsin. Yeah, five straight days. Ten o'clock at night. Yeah, but you got a beer. You're a good bunch spirits. of beers. <laughs> Maybe a little liquor mixed in. What do, what do you think about Wisconsin so far? Is it everything that you dreamed of? Very much so. It's uh, I kind of wondered about the grouse capital of the world, but pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. A lot of bird contacts, it seems like, we're having. No take-home bird contacts. <laughs> we're, we're having about now, that's what? Well, not, not, a... I shouldn't say no. None. Right. That's not true also. You you got a grouse without even having to fire your gun. That's, that's the that's the talk of the town. <laughs> He's the grouse magnet. So there's a story behind that. Well, let's hear the story. Okay, so the story goes. <laughs> so I I'm out with my dog, my older dog, Ella, and we're hunting in this marshy area and she goes off on a long cast and then all of a sudden I see a grouse coming flying across, and I take a shot at it. I only had one chance, and it didn't fall. So imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite quite common now. Uh, so then I, I was all upset because I didn't have a chance to let Ella retrieve the bird and so forth. But anyway, we just kept going. Didn't see another one. And then on the way home, I'm thinking about it. The fact that I, uh, sorry, I missed the bird. I wish I could have gotten it for Ella, get the retrieve and so forth. And there's a bird in the highway, 70, and it's on the edge of the road. So I slow down, and I, in order not to hit it, I made sure I go in the opposite opposing lane to get around it. And all of a sudden, it takes off and hits the side of the truck. <laughs> and I'm not... A hundred, maybe, well, more than a hundred yards, but not too far from the turn into the into the place here. So, so it, was, it was, it was, <laughs> and and Carol was with me, and she had been all uh, with me uh, for the whole hunt with both our dogs, and she she couldn't stop laughing because we spent <laughs> all this time, two or three hours, yeah, trying to find a grouse and shoot it. And we get one on the way home with the with uh, with the, the vehicle. Now, did you get Ella out and let her retrieve it from the road? <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> no, in fact, I pulled off to the side of the road because I had looked in the side view mirror, and there's this puff of feathers. And I said, "Well, I must have hit it, or it hit me." And then I uh, backed up, and as I was backing up, another car was coming in the same direction. They had to stop and let me. Get the bird out of the middle of the road and put it in the car. And then we scooped the bird up and took pictures like we shot it. Yeah. <laughs> and and did practice retrieves. Yeah, we yeah. did do that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a true story. Oh. Well, uh, you mentioned Ella. You want to tell everybody about Ella and Brooke? Let everybody know about your dogs. Ella, Ella, Ella Ella is ten years old. She had puppies at six years old. Uh, we have one of the puppies. Uh, we got a, uh, uh, breeders award from Nanda with them. 
they all got prize ones, except for one, they got a prize two. They were five uh, puppies. These are Spinonis. These are Italian Spinone, right? Yes. Italiano. And we got the, uh, we actually got the chance to hunt behind them quite a bit this week, and they're definitely a change of pace in a good way. I mean, they've, we, I shot a woodcock over a point from Brooke today, the, the daughter of Ella, and that was awesome. She can, she was working. uh, She's actually a better grouse dog than Ella is. She's very cautious. She wouldn't go anywhere in the woods without knowing 100% where you were. So when you, I I don't. She checks in. I don't think you ever have an issue with her cooperation level during the NAVDA test. No. No. Yeah. It won't be a problem. Yeah. So what attracted you to the Spinoni? Well, we, let's let's go into that a little more. So okay. when you say she doesn't go anywhere, she does. She hunts very well, especially by myself. She's not used to hunting with other folks. Yeah. And uh, was it at the time when we were hunting her with Ella? No, I don't remember. We hunted we hunted them, Ella and Brooke, and Brooke is subservient to Ella. And yeah, we had both of them out this morning with me, you, and Joe, and then just Brooke when Austin came over yeah. there and hogged your woodcock. So, you know. <laughs> what for me, we'd have gone home empty-handed today. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she she does well, uh, and she's still learning, to be honest with you. She's only been in the woods, so to speak. She's been... Uh, in training sessions and so forth like that for with quail and so forth but uh in in the actual hunting situation she's only done it once one time before when she was one years old so this is a a learning experience for her and she's doing real well real well as far as uh grouse hunting is concerned yeah she's really cautious around those birds she's not gonna have an issue bumping birds with her i don't think no shouldn't so, overall, what got you involved with the Spinonis? Well, a uh, long-time duck hunter from 10 years old on up. My dad and grandfather both hunted ducks in uh, Louisiana. So we had a duck hunting camp in Point Lahash, Louisiana, and we uh, I grew up duck hunting with them, my father and grand and grandfather and cousins and everybody, and that was a big to do. So, uh, uh, as I got older and uh, moved away, actually from Louisiana, I still went back hunting Louisiana, and uh, I wanted something for as a retriever, and uh, also it was it uh, made sense that we went with something. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm Italian in in heritage, so I wanted something that, that related to that. So it it kind of fell into place back in uh, 1988, actually. So an Italian Cajun wants a versatile dog. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. And at that time, you weren't you haven't done any upland hunting at all. No upland anything. hunting. Now, actually, the dogs brought me to upland hunting, so it was a it was uh opened up a whole new chapter in in my hunting career and uh it was very enjoyable so stuck with it and 
joined NAVDA in, in about 88, somewhere around there, and uh, have enjoyed the upland game hunting ever since, Absolutely. along with the duck hunting. Yeah. Still. We're going to do a little bit of that tomorrow morning, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So joined NAVDA in 88. Have you been judging with them since then, or when so did you do that? I, I, I got I became a judge in 94, 1994, and, um, and then eventually became a senior judge about five years later. I don't know. <laughs> it, uh, Shot yeah, through the ranks there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good experience from that respect. To see dogs work in the field is 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 really special, especially when you see all these different breeds working uh, their type of you know their type of hunt, and uh, it's enjoyable. And then you meet other people, and you get to go other places, and uh, it's 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 been a heck of a career. Awesome. So you've also had some. Involvement with the is it the Spinoni Club of America? Spinoni Club of America. So we went to the very first meeting, and I don't remember when that was. To be honest with you, but somewhere in the nineties, we went to we had a meeting, uh, and uh, Jim Shannon was uh, organized it at the time. Uh, Larry Dickey was another individual who. Uh, was was a, an attorney, and uh, I became part of that whole organization to organize and develop the bylaws and so forth like that. So it was uh, it was it was special in that in that respect. We had annual meetings. It was composed of other folks that were interested in hunting Spinoni, and uh, it took off from there. It literally became the breed club of of AKC once they turned once it once it became AKC recognized. So when you got involved with Spinonis back in eighty eight, how many Spinonis were there known to be in About, the US? It was you know, there's no way to know exactly, right. but it was kind of us uh, assumed that there were and from from some facts that there were about at the most three hundred Spinoni in the whole country. Wow! And uh, and so at the time we were actually concerned about the breeding pool of available dogs. So so we organized a trip. A bunch of us organized a trip um, Italy. to Italy and and toured different uh, Italian uh, breeders places and and uh, enjoyed the scenery and enjoyed the people and you would go to a breeder we would have like two breeders scheduled in a day and you'd go to this breeder in the morning and and you start talking you can't talk anything about dogs until you socialize for a while and then they bring out their own brand of wine and then and then you got into the Spinoni. I mean, the it was an event. The spaghetti dinners, <laughs> and so you, before you know it, you're eating a major meal, and then and then you could go see this. The booze, so, Italian so food, so our and schedule dogs. got severely <laughs> uh, 
penalized by the fact that we had to do all this socializing before we ever got to see the dogs. So when it was that uh, rare and esoteric, what, what qualities in that breed were kind of difficult to bring out at a high level? Like what were y'all hung up on trying to develop in that breed? Well, uh, <clears throat> at the time, I mean, way back then, they uh, it was not a developed breed by no means, even in Italy. But uh, they did have a better pointing instinct uh, over there. <clears throat> but they had a lot of minuses to the to the breed as far as uh, characteristics such as eyes, loose eyes, and things like that, and so and teeth. The teeth were pretty sad over there. But uh, we came away from that whole experience realizing that really, even though we have a small breeding stock that uh, the, the the dogs that were here are actually better in many respects. I went on two, two other uh, visits over there and actually walked with the judges, and they had a judging test. And, of course, well, not of course, but they use uh, uh, wild birds. So they take the dogs out in the handler, and you walk literally for miles at a time trying to find wild birds and they change out dogs and if your dog if that dog particular dog isn't uh, performing then they actually disqualify them and pull the dog and move on to the next handler and you're just constant constantly moving along an area where uh, they think there's wild birds so you might not come across a wild bird for a particular run so um, what would happen handling. in that instance, though, if, like, say the dog they, was hunting but never came across they, or, or produced a bird, what happened? They just uh, they just call it a day on that particular dog. I mean, you just have the opportunity to find a bird. If you don't find one, they move on to the next was one. Was that like a pass-fail situation, though, or did he, did they pull the dog from the lineup at it was, that point? It was basically pass-fail, yeah. yeah. It's not like the knob the system with all the points and everything. Right. No, but... So back to Nick's original question, though, was there a particular, you mentioned like the loose eyes and things like that, but was there a particular characteristic that y'all were trying to improve in the American lines? Well, I, I basically everything. Okay. Put <laughs> uh, pointing instinct, the, uh, the teeth, the eyes, the, I mean, you, you, it was a, it was, it needed a lot of help. Let's put it that way. So. There was some importing of of dogs, but I mean, if you tried to import a dog over there, they were not going to send you a a good dog. They were keeping that for themselves. They'd send mm -hmm. you other dogs, mediocre dogs and bad dogs, and there were plenty of those. And it's quite expensive to get one over here. So it uh, it just and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, in my opinion. Uh, the Spinoni Club of America, who was made up of people that encouraged, made up of hunters mostly that encouraged people to test their dogs, uh, and NAVDA, having that NAVDA database to match good dogs with other good dogs, and drastically improved the breed. And that's something that the Italians didn't have. So... 
it, it, it's amazing what we've seen. Of course, it's been 30 years, but, <laughs> you know, it's amazing what we've seen, uh, the progress of the Spinoni breed in this country. Now, what it's like in Italy now, I don't know. Uh, but it, the, by no means, uh, do, you know, would you consider them a German-type um, process of breeding better dogs? I mean, it's it's kind of hit or miss with them. And in fact, one of our uh, folks that were in the uh, the club that came on one of the tours actually said, uh, you know, you know, let's let the, <laughs> the, the 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 Italians should stick to the arts and crafts and <laughs> let the Germans do the breeding because <laughs> they definitely have a better system. Yeah. So. So over the years, you've had, you've had a number of Spinonis, and uh, one thing in average is you're you're not obviously just a judge, but you test these dogs and you've taken a few of them to the the Invitational. You want to touch on that and just kind of your experience of training and testing throughout the system? Through our system and now the yes. system? Yes, yeah. Well, again, I, I think through that system and training dogs to, to, to test in the system gives a dog a good, a good, or the breed, let's put it that way, the breed a good basis for a good, a very good hunting dog, especially when you start pairing prize ones with prize ones and and getting a dog, a better dog from the breeding program and the breeding stock, and and the value there is that you have that data that's available to back you know the the research and come up with um, a good match for your dog if you're interested in breeding them. So. Out of all your dogs, how many did you go to the Invitational oh, with? So, so the Invitational. All right. So, so of course, to get to the Invitational, you got to get a prize one in that and utility work in Navda. So, I've taken actually uh, uh, two. Let's see. I've been there four times. Two with my dogs, and actually one short hair. <laughs> I ran for a, a friend of mine that uh, was handicapped and couldn't do it. But uh, the two twice I went back. Uh, I mean, I went. I tested one with my um, dog from uh, Guido Melandrocolo, uh, and he's a guy, you know. And I can easily, I can <laughs> yeah, easily say, I can say easily say, <laughs> what was that? Guido Melandrocolo. Okay. I can easily say that was my best hunting dog. Uh, no doubt about it. When was that? Oh, come on. Nineties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Have another beer, maybe we'll remember. I think I went to the 2004 Invitational. Okay. 2004, I think. Somewhere around there. So that was, And then I went back the following year. She didn't pass because of pointing. I don't, I'm not sure why, but she, she didn't pass because of pointing. She got a three in pointing. So I went back... I, Two weeks later, I tested her again in utility, and she got a prize one. So then went back to the next invitational, and she didn't pass that one because we were uh, uh, sending sending on the hundred yard blind. She got all the way across. She went to the right, and the duck was to the left. And you know, people that have tested an invitation will know <laughs> that's that's the kiss of death. 
Anyway, she went to the right. So she went to the right and continued to the right and then swam all the way across because the wind was to our back. Swam all the way across to where they were doing honoring at the water. Mm-hmm. And because they used ducks over there and that scent was traveling across. And that's just the luck of the draw. I mean, that's all it is. So she came all the way back. I called her back, sent her again. She went, swam all the way across again and then did the same thing. So once you get less than a three, that would have been a three if she would have done it. Once you get less than a three, you're not going to pass. So You're out. Yeah. So she didn't now, pass. Now, is this the dog that you call the VC to me? Yeah. Okay. So we have a little a little graveyard of Spinoni, and it's probably a 10, 10 of them at my place in Pelham, Tennessee. And uh, each dog has a little signature thing that relates to that dog and you know my male dog at one time uh i had a male that was special and he was like the lion king so he has a little crown you know for him on the on the marker you know Mm -hmm. the headstone and then uh there's others that have different things but this one particular dog that i feel was a vc um I have, as an inscription, it says V, has the letters V, C, and then a number two, and then me, M-E. So V-C to me, that's her. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, that's Belle. And then the second dog is Ella, my present dog. And she didn't, she did well. She passed everything all the way up, and the last, the last event was to send her on the 100-yard uh, blind, and she goes out and does a starts a duck search, which is very difficult for them to distinguish. But you know, to be honest, it's my it's my fault because I didn't have her trained enough to do that hundred yard blind rather than go on a duck search. Yeah, talk about Star a little bit. You said you went to uh, wasn't Star the dot the short hair's name that you trained? No, it was Rebel. Okay, sorry, Rebel. So I helped train that, and I'm, I'm working out of town. I wasn't living in Tennessee, but I was working out of town. So whenever I came in, I would help my buddy train his, his, his short hair to do all the water work. So we did, we did all the water work when I was in town, and then he had somebody else helping with the... And I, not to say I didn't help, but I mean, it. this dog was so had so much desire it would tremble sitting i mean not sitting but it it would tremble trem tremble <laughs> tremble there you go it would tremble standing on point so you know it was very edgy as to whether the steadiness was going to be there so you you would literally have to work a thousand times harder on keeping that dog steady than than a normal dog and uh, in the in the goes back to that German versus Italian thing that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah, maybe just the drive. <laughs> yeah, the drive. And uh, uh, in the invitational, it, it, we go out. We're paired up with a um, a griff, so it was just you know it was just not a good pairing, and in different hunting styles and so forth like that. And what he's talking the, about here is in the field in the invitational. In the you invitational, get, it's a brace. Yeah, you get you get paired with another dog that you have to run the brace with, and uh, they they obviously search and 
they uh, have honoring and everything that they have to do with each other. So it it, yeah. it depends on how well the other bracemate is in the field with you as far as how easy it is for you. So the, the other bracemate goes out and takes out a bird right off the bat and then <laughs> chases it and, you know, and... You're supposed to be the hit. at that level. That's you know. It's unheard of. I mean, that's yeah. not unheard of. That happens, but uh, you know, it's just it's just a shame because it ruins the bracemates run also. Yeah. So then, Gosh. the dogs start losing respect for each other, and and it just went downhill. You know, it was steady for a good portion of it, but not enough because you know he didn't. You have to get a three in steadiness, and he was less than that. So. He didn't pass. Just goes to show but how. But the water work, he got all fours. There you go. That, <laughs> he did that the was your piece. Blind. He did yeah. the hundred yard blind. Back then, we were doing, we were doing the, still doing the duck, the the shackle duck, oh. chase. You know, if you want to call it that, whatever. But uh, and and he actually, <laughs> it was on a large pond. I forget which one it was. It may have been, uh, I forget which venue it was. But anyway, he ended up. Probably about 300 yards uh, in this pond on the opposite end of the pond. And he got his duck and he's coming back and I'm going, I don't even know what this dog is. <laughs> I'm standing there waiting and the judge says, call your dog. And I said, where is he? <laughs> and he's, o- he's over there about 300 yards with a duck in his mouth. I said, okay. So he passed that easy. Awesome. <laughs> well, that just goes to show how hard the invitational is. You've been doing this oh, for, yeah. for... Oh, yeah. Many years and you, you've come close, but haven't haven't quite haven't, made it. Haven't gotten there yet, but so we'll keep trying. So we were kind of talking about this today while we were hunting. Is here at Grouse Camp we have what six and a dogs and four utility dogs now, and there's really no replacement for actual hunting wild birds. No, not at all. The testing is great. Maybe a little more appropriate if it's pheasants. Yeah, you know a pheasant, but even then, it's quite different. So you're right. It's, Grouse and woodcock is a different ball game. It, it, totally different. Yeah. So obviously, we touched on the benefits of NABDA with the uh, as far as the progeny reports and just planning the breedings better and producing better dogs overall. But in your opinion, like, what, how good does NABDA do producing actual hunting wild? Bird okay, dogs. so so we, we we had a little discussion about that today, and and you know what NAVDA does, it motivates people to execute or develop an obedient dog. So so what the test is revol- the test revolves around is obedience. So it, you know healing, steadiness, uh, retrieving, all of those things are obedience type items that can be applied and do and do get applied to a, a field situation for pheasants or quail or duck or uh, woodcock or grouse. So having that obedience <clears throat> under your belt and and to rely on goes a far way to actually developing game that you can take home with you. And so... Uh, when it comes to finding the birds and doing all, it takes time for the dogs to develop into that. We went hunting with some experienced uh, 
uh, in Kansas, some experienced, um, <clears throat> I think they were setters, and uh, for 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 the pheasants and his their dogs would just like produce all these pheasants and it's like our dogs are like running around and points and all this stuff but they're producing a whole lot more than our dogs and eventually over time those do our dogs would catch up with that style of hunting and and then would be good Equal, yeah. but uh but it takes time for these dogs to learn what they need to do and how to do it. When you get into actual hunting situations, when you're hunting in, you know, in 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 Navda, we train dogs in fields, and then when you get to woodcock and grouse, you're in woods. <laughs> so it's a different different ball game, totally. So yeah, that I mean that just goes into we've all been around some of the people that may, sign up for these tests. They may not do well or pass at all but and they're just like my dog will find more birds than any of these other dogs it's like well yeah but it's not performing on the test as far as obedience and cooperation exactly and that's, and that's what, what will do dogs in on utility work it's not the ability of the dog it's the obedience and the the bonding and the cooperation with the handler to do the work in your opinion on on cooperation and low cooperative dogs what what is something that you can do to improve upon that? Is it just repetition? Is it just trust between the the dog and the handler? As I mean, what what do you think can be done with that? One example that I always use is is force fetch. I don't know if I've told you guys, but you know, force fetch is a valuable tool to do several several things. One is that force fetch. You doing it yourself. Some people have people do it. But what you're missing out on is when you do the force fetch properly, you're bonding with the dog. The dog is bonding with you. Yep. You learn the weaknesses of the dog, and you can work around it So by altering your methods. So if you, if you just attempt, and do and follow through with a force fetch program, you will learn a whole lot about that dog's whole makeup. And also that dog will bond with you. So in many ways, the dog becomes more bold in retrieving, for sure, because it knows what you want. And you've shown it what, what you want. So if it cooperates, it's a cooperative dog, it wants to please you. You saw that today with with Brooke, I mean, wanting to be with me and see that I'm there and to go out and hunt again, those kind of things are developed that bond. And once they want to please you, then they they do they excel in what you show them what you want them to do. So that's force force fetch is a, an important key to to having a successful uh uh dog that you can trust in the field so would you recommend that i guess most people try to do force fetch themselves then to try to create that bond absolutely and, okay. and you know some people i did i messed up with my dog you know the first dog and you learn from that and it makes you a better trainer for other dogs that dog will never stop loving you even mm -hmm. if you do screw up 
on the on the uh, on the retrieving or the uh, you know the force fetch. But uh, it it as I said, you gain a whole lot more even if you do it wrong, and it'll probably show up later in some other aspect of training that the dog trusts you and has bonded with you. I, I agree with that too, just from the standpoint of not even just the bonding, but say you're a new uh, handler or a new trainer, just the steps and methodology of doing force yeah. fetch, it, it mentally prepares you better to understand how dogs learn and how you need to baby step the dogs through everything else anyway. And so I think you, what you said is right, just force fetch. It, it teaches the dog a lot more, and it also teaches the handler a lot more than yeah. just a clean retrieve process. And, you know, when you need, and you, you know, what you don't have when you do your first dog is, is a kind of a baseline. What you have on the second dog when you try that, when you try it on the second dog, is you have this baseline that you, oh, yeah, I did that on him, and it's not working exactly here. But you, at least you know what they should be doing based on your previous dog. And, and you can back up. You know when to back up. And you know when it's going to plateau because you will get plateaus. And then you back up again and you do those little baby steps, as you said, to get to the final uh, desired action. And, it, and that same process can be used in steadiness training i mean all of the obedience stuff in healing all those things you can take those baby steps you learn to do it which is a well-documented process now you know through youtube and all the podcasts and all this other <laughs> stuff i mean back when i was doing it it was, it was like nothing you read the green book Nobody ever talks about the knob, the green book, but the, the, there was a green book that it's still there. We got it. <laughs> We've talked Bodo, about it. That yep. Bodo wrote, you know, yep. and you you just read that thing, and and I remember reading it every night and figuring out, you know, the thing that it left off was, what if the dog doesn't do what you want it to do? <laughs> you know, that's where it, that's where it was shortfalls. So I I just expanded my reading to others other uh, authors and it uh, you know and then you then you pull all those all that information together and you develop your own process awesome so one th we've talked about force fetch for a minute and uh, we were earlier we were talking about some of the good you know natural characteristics of these spinonis are spinonis known to be just great natural retrievers is that one of the things well that, that was one of the things that pulled me into that I mean, besides being Italian, you know, base, it was also the fact that they were, at the time, known more to be retrievers and trackers than they were to be pointers. So if you stop and think about the versatile dog, you got three, three aspects, right? It's pointing, which, you know, the, the English pointers, I would say, are the experts at that. And then you got the trackers, which are the bloodhounds that actually do well in tracking better than anything. And then, and then you got the retrievers, you know, like the black labs and so forth that do that retrieving. So we're trying to develop a dog around those three aspects that does each of the things as well as, 
as well as possible, but nowhere near as well as the specialist. Specialist, yeah. So, you know, what about as far as like the hunting style? We we've noticed today and throughout the week that the trot, the famous Spinoni trot. Can you talk to the <laughs> the famous <laughs> Spinoni trot? Absolutely. I mean, that's what they're. That's kind of a main characteristic that they have is that they they don't they're not necessarily known to just run a field or anything like that, but they have a methodical way of of going through and selectively, you know, uh, taking out cover or searching through cover. So, talk to the listeners about that. All right. So, so let's go. Let's let's compare to a well-known breed, German Shire Pointers. They really press the field i mean they they travel they you know they're they're moving right and and i would think i mean i've been around enough of them that you know eventually they get tired even yours (laughs) yes they get winded they get they get tired and sore and everything else and and it's from pushing so hard through the field and woods or whatever you're using them for hunting. Uh, over, I'm talking about over the course of a day. So the Spinoni actually was bred to not run, not gallop like a lot of dogs do, but actually to just to trot through the fields, through the woods, whatever. And with all the goal, and again, it's with the with the goal of what versatile dogs were meant to be, which is to be an all around dog. You know, use one for duck hunting today, and use a use the same dog to hunt track your deer the next day, hunt rabbits or, <laughs> right. or track deer, or whatever. So so, and it's it 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 eliminates the expense of having all these specialty breeds. Doing all these special type D uh, work, so the Spinoni in Italy was meant to be used for all day hunting trips uh, to find wild birds when weren't, weren't plentiful. So they actually developed the breed to do a trot. So it's, they're trotting, and I and I have had. I mean, these guys that I have now, the two that I have now do trot. You saw them today, but I'm telling you, my male from, his name was Dante. Dante uh, would, you could watch him in the field and his back would never go up and down. It was just this constant horizontal motion. And it was very efficient and very smooth and he could just go all day if you had to, uh, hunting. So it's meant to be um, uh, have that endurance to hunt them every day or all day, whatever the need might be, rather than change out dogs. <laughs> Let's get this other dog out and do that one. So that's that's what the trot's all about. Yeah. Well, it definitely worked out. I mean, we watched her. We watched her work the the cover today, and if uh, old Nick could shoot better, she'd have had some some more woodcock what in the you bag. Talking about me too. Hey, I don't think anybody's <laughs> accused me of being a dead eye this week. All right, me, me a, too. Just one of those just weeks. It's so difficult hunting with the with the leaves still on the 
trees or the saplings or whatever and and trying to get a bead on a bird that disappears once it's 20 feet away <laughs> with, with this thick cover you just got can't put a bead on the bird it's and just had, purely instinctual just it gets up and start throwing lead that's what yeah. you got to do to hit these and birds you, of course when you do that you know you have those pillow shots yeah <laughs> explain to them what the pillow shot is that i didn't know about but go ahead well i did i haven't done that this week so maybe we have maybe we have nick talk about that so yeah that that one uh the grout uh rachel went on point on a on a grouse in a uh, conifer tree and uh or underneath the conifer tree and i came through another clearing about 15 20 yards away and as soon as i came through the grouse flushed and it just bomb rushed straight at me and i should have let it go over my head and then i just turn around and do a going away shot that's what i should have done but just instinctual i just see a bird flying right at me and i just shoot it <laughs> and, and it was a little too close it kind of exploded that bird and uh i could have I could have reached out and just caught the bird in midair as it's coming through. It actually hit a tree, a little sapling tree, about a foot to my left, and just hung in the tree. And I just reached out and grabbed it. And got put the it, retrieve. Got the retrieve, put it in my vest, and just kept on going. <laughs> let's let's and, talk and, about Well, I mean, a second story is me when I was in Brook Points, yes. of, <laughs> Brook Points of Woodcock. And I go in and flush it, and I'm fighting to get to her because I couldn't even tell she was on point because of all the crap in the, way. in the way is that okay to say yeah yeah <laughs> so so i finally i thought she was looking for me no she was on point you know she's standing still i finally see her okay so i get to her i flush the bird and i had been through so many episodes of trying to you know identify the bird first and then take a good shot yeah. a bead on it and then shoot I said, I had this mindset, as soon as this thing flies, whatever it is, I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> so sure enough, the woodcock gets up, I pull up and shoot, and it went poof, just like a pillow. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, pillow and feathers, feathers flying all around. It was yep. not much there to take home, I'll tell you. So I just left it in the woods for yep. the... For the wolves. It's one thing when you're in a training field and you can just tell somebody, hey, let the bird get a little further exactly. away. But when you're in dense cover and these birds and you've been going for hours trying to find these birds, it's like sometimes you get a little antsy. Yeah. You want to you wanna make sure that you don't miss the opportunity. Yep. So, no, get I totally get it. Something else I'm antsy about is uh, getting in this duck blind tomorrow and trying to shoot some ducks and close out the – the week strong, and uh, I guess everybody head back to Tennessee here in a couple days. Yeah, man, I'm I'm waiting for that pintail to come on down tomorrow and try to try to smack it. Yeah, well, I know uh, it's already late, and uh, Norm's about on his what tenth beer for the night, so he's mm. dozing off over here. He's ready to get to bed, <laughs> and I got an early wake up call to go shoot some ducks and maybe get a couple more shots at some grouse and woodcock before we get out of here so uh norm we appreciate you coming on and appreciate you coming up for the trip and uh, hopefully we can get you back on and talk more training specific stuff especially yeah. for specific testing and let everybody share your your wealth of knowledge with everybody well thanks for inviting me in. i've enjoyed being with you guys yeah it's always fun sure. hunting together absolutely yeah. 
absolutely well we'll be sure to do it again and uh guys we'll uh check back with you next week thanks for joining us see y'all seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.